Welcome back to another episode of the Leading Saints podcast. If you've enjoyed content on this podcast, it's important that I tell you about the Leading Saints newsletter that we send out every week. This newsletter keeps you up to date on all the current Leading Saints content releases, including podcasts, articles, online events, and even live events that might be happening in your own area. In this newsletter, we also recommend some past episodes and written articles that you don't want to miss. Each week, we include additional leadership perspectives and thoughts that you can only find in the weekly newsletter, so you definitely don't want to miss out. To subscribe to the weekly newsletter, simply text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe so you don't miss any future Leading Saints content. Hi, I'm Jennifer Barnhart from Everett, Washington, and I love to listen to Leading Saints because I find so many, as I listen to all the different viewpoints, I find so many things that I can use in my life. There's so much actionable content. Um, I feel like I just take tons of notes and then find really lots of little hidden gems that I can use practically in my everyday life. Welcome back to another How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. If you're new to Leading Saints, well, you need to know that this is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation like this podcast, online articles at leadingsaints.org, which you should definitely visit. We have a weekly newsletter that goes out that is quite popular and uh, virtual summits and all sorts of stuff. So we welcome you and we hope you'll dive in, subscribe and uh, binge some episodes here. Now, in these How I Lead segments, as you know, you long timers, we look for leaders, everyday leaders dynamic leaders, whether they think so or not, who are doing some remarkable things around the world and uh, interview them and share their ideas and figure out how they do it. And maybe we can duplicate it if you feel so inspired. And that's what we've done here. So I had the opportunity to go to the Sandy Utah Willow Creek Stake and interview President Joe Staples, President Alan Matheson, and President Davis Smith. And they are the members of that stake presidency. Now, two of those names, Joe Staples and Davis Smith may sound familiar to you because they are both former guests of the Leading Saints podcast, really dynamic leaders. We'll link to those interviews so that you can have an opportunity to go back and listen to those as well because they are worth a listen. But uh, we've been in touch ever since then. And uh, I found out about some things they've been doing in their stake to help the youth with uh, building and fortifying their testimony and just gaining a deeper understanding of some maybe difficult doctrines and uh, church history topics that sometimes take people out of the church. And uh, what they're doing, I think, is phenomenal. And uh, so I want to share it with you. So here is my interview with President Joe Staples, Davis Smith, and Alan Matheson. Today, I had the opportunity to be in uh, Sandy, Utah, at the Sandy, Utah Willow Creek Stake with their stake presidency. I think this is the first time I've had a complete stake presidency on the podcast, so this is pretty cool. I mean, even when I was in a stake presidency, they wouldn't give me the time of day to do this, so this is cool. We have uh, President Joe Staples, Davis Smith, and Alan Matheson, and... I want to Joe and and Davis. I want to call you by your first names. I hope you don't. Uh, you know, I want to be in protocol here. But anyways, <laughs> you've both been on the podcast and uh, great interviews, and I will definitely link to those and make sure people know about them. And, and uh, Alan, you're uh, the newbie here, right? 
new guy, but I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Uh, it's always good to be with you. Awesome. Appreciate what you do. Awesome. President Staples, just give us a rundown of the steak uh, in two minutes. What would you say to- I'll uh, give it to you in less than two minutes. Perfect. I like uh, it. 3,700 members, eight wards, and a dependent branch. The dependent branch is part of an assisted living facility. Uh, one of the other unique things is of our eight units, one is a mid-singles ward. And Stake was established 1978. Does that sound right? <laughs> late 70s. You weren't around? Is that Let's what you're saying? With, that's right. Let's go with late 70s. Okay. But cool. uh, filled with just wonderful, great people. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. And you, and we've been in touch ever since we did that initial interview with you. And, and uh, I'm always looking for just unique approaches that stakes or wards are doing, leaders are trying to implement, especially during times where that aren't familiar, you know, like a, a shutdown or a pandemic. And so you told me about an approach you were doing with, uh, with some of the youth. It's a youth focus with, and I guess it's more part of a overall approach to helping those that maybe are beginning to question their faith and how can leaders better minister to those individuals and help members better minister to them. So where should we kick off this discussion? Let's start with the uh, with what we did with the youth. We did a set of morning sides and, and maybe Davis can, he was the origin of how we didn't come up with the idea. Okay. And whoever we got the idea probably didn't come up with the idea either. Uh-huh. But uh, maybe have you just share where we got it. Cool. So first of all, when we got called as a stake presidency, President Staples had some strong impressions around areas of focus. And one of them was around helping people with faith challenges. And so we started reading a few books together, and we really enjoyed that, actually. Uh, we read a book called Planted by Patrick Mason. Great one. And it's a, it is a great one. And then we read a book called Bridges, Ministering to Those Who Question by David Osler. And I know you've interviewed David Osler, and you've yeah. probably interviewed I Patrick have, yeah. Mason. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just two fantastic books that we really enjoyed. And we had an opportunity to have a, a lunch with a few other uh, folks with Patrick Mason, where he spoke. And we all went together, and that was a lot of fun. And when we were chatting with him after the lunch, we asked him the question about, is there anything that you've seen other stakes do to help those that are, you know, struggling with their faith or maybe something we could do with the youth? And he mentioned a stake in California that was, I believe it was California, that was basically holding a morning side for their high school seniors teaching the gospel topics essays. Hmm. And when we heard that, Yes, we all looked at each other and was like, "That is a good idea." Revelation confirmed, right? Yeah. This is good. <laughs> yeah. So cool. So that's how the that's kind of the origin of of this initiative. Nice. And Alan, maybe you can you can take this part of it as far as just give us the basic structure of how these things you know how often, when, who comes, how do you invite them, those types of things. Well, yeah, we started this last year, so we've been through one round and we've uh, taken it up again this year. But our focus has been on the high school seniors. The thought that we wanted kind of a smaller group, a group that we could meet with in a a setting that would be comfortable. We meet with them once a month on a Sunday morning at 7.15. So it's a test of their faith and ours to do that. (laughs) They're either in bed or in our morning side. We know they don't have another conflict. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And, uh, you know, learning from the Savior's example of the loaves and the fishes, we started by having breakfast for them, understanding that when they've got something to eat, they're more likely to be there and and comfortable. That hasn't happened, of course, since COVID hit. So really our, our first couple of sessions, we were able to do that. We've had five sessions each year. We try to do it those five months before they graduate. And uh, the idea is that 
will answer some questions that they inevitably will face when they get out on missions or in college or other places in the world and want them to be prepared to know that there are there are faith-based answers to some of those questions. To just quickly hit on how we invite them, we've worked with the bishops to identify the, the high school seniors, those that would be appropriate to invite. And this year with COVID, we've done it a little differently. Because we can't meet together at President Staples' home for breakfast, we've gone out on the Saturday before and dropped off a little package with some chocolate milk and a bagel or something, and a little reminder of the meeting and extended a personal invitation to those seniors to be there the next day. Awesome. That seems to have worked well. So and, before- and how would you not come right. if a member of the state presidency <laughs> took the time on a Saturday to bring you breakfast for yeah. the next day? There's an obligation. Yeah, for sure. And it's even like the opportunity of looking them in the eye and handing them the bagel and saying, listen, we, we really want you there. It goes a long way. So, And I know where you live if you don't right. show up. <laughs> so before COVID, you held it at your house then? To we do did. So, and in, in your stake, there's what, maybe 15 seniors? I don't, I don't know how many. Nah, there's probably about 30. Okay. Is there more? There's a little more. <laughs> uh, I think we have close to 60, but... A handful of those are from families. Some of them have not been baptized yeah, or yeah. from families that are less active. Like on the records, right? Yeah, so I think 16. active, probably around 40. And we typically have about close to 20 that show up at the up. morning set, which is okay. pretty yeah. remarkable yeah. at 7.15 in the morning on a Sunday. Yeah, and I like that. In the, I mean, I think there's a, there's a benefit of holding it in a home like this with 20 people. There's some energy there. You're not in this church that, you know, it's more uh, comfortable, I would imagine. Right? It, it was. It was... Uh, kind of all their guards go down. Uh, they feel, all, you know, how much we care for them. And then we just uh, would talk about the gospel topics essays. And so when you think of those essays, I mean, this isn't, you know, we're, we're not talking about real basic gospel truths. These are things like, you know, becoming like God or Mormons Christian Book of Mormon translation, race and the priesthood. I mean, these are things that are, you know, pretty deep subjects. And as I thought about it, I think that just about all of them have a cursory knowledge of them. You know, so if you took yeah. a high school senior, they could say, yeah, I know that there was a time in the history of the church that we practiced plural marriage. And then they're kind of done. Yeah. You know, it's it's pretty shallow. And our primary objective was we didn't want these kids to be 28 years old somewhere and all of a sudden go, wait a second, nobody ever told me any of this yeah. stuff. And all of a sudden they're in a faith crisis and, and you know, they're going sideways. Yeah. We thought we don't want them to leave the Willow Creek Stake without knowing these things. So we go through every single one of these. We teach them. We ask them questions. We have a discussion around them. And then what comes out, I think, is almost miraculous, just some of the things that dawn on them. So let's take plural marriage as, as an example. One of the things that's taught in the gospel topic essay, and we stick really close to these. We don't mm -hmm come up with other You're stuff. You're not bringing any other books or resources because there's plenty of those, yeah. right? <laughs> so we just stick to it. But as an example, in plural marriage, it talks about how Joseph Smith was had an angel appear to him. And uh, the third time 
that the angel appeared, he appeared with a drawn sword and essentially told Joseph, you're going to do this. And that's news to these kids. They go, wait a second, I, I didn't know that they were reluctant about this. You know, Joseph Smith translating the Book of Mormon, he looked into a hat. Okay, well, let's talk about that. So these are the things that our hope is that these kids get exposure to this, learn these things in an environment that is conducive to them asking questions and, and thinking through these things versus off on their own at some other yeah. stage of their life. Yeah, and it's one thing for like maybe to try and mention it more in a Sunday school class or a youth class or whatever. It's a whole nother thing to create an event around it at the stake president's house at a special time. You're going to this home, you're having this discussion around these things. And that's really, there's an inoculation that happens on a deeper level that hopefully protects them from some of these surprises that can take them out in the future, right? I think one of the things that we've learned as we've been studying and, and also as we've just had our own friends and extended family members that maybe have left the church for one reason or another, it seems that some, the reason they're leaving is is a lack of trust. It's not even necessarily the social issues or the doctrinal issues. And that's where we feel we can really make a difference is some of these items are a little bit taboo to be talking about in a Sunday school class or in an yeah. elders quorum or Relief Society class. But when a young person is being taught these items in seminary, and then they hear their stake presidency talk about them, and then hopefully they're hearing them at home, all of a sudden, they're not surprised when they hear about this when they're 30 years old. Yeah. And they don't have, hopefully, some of those, those same trust challenges that, that kind of wobble people's foundations. And maybe there are a couple of themes that we're hoping that they get. One of them is that church history can withstand scrutiny. Doesn't mean we've got all the answers, but you can really present it in a context that's more understandable. And just one example, a member of our stake is Ron Esplin, who was the editor of the Joseph Smith papers. <laughs> He's read everything Joseph Smith has ever written, everything ever written to him, and most of what's been written about him. He says that the more he learns about Joseph Smith, the stronger his testimony gets. And he's doing the same thing with Brigham Young and having that same experience. If we've got an example like that and say, take the time to dive into the, the history a little bit. Look at the full picture, not just what you read on the internet. And your faith can be strengthened. Maybe the other side of that, too, is a message that we're not going to have every answer. I think some people fall in this trap of saying, well, if the church is really true, it ought to be able to answer every question. Well, that denies faith. And we need these young people to understand that part of this life means we're not going to have every answer. We can learn, we can study, but you need to have faith and have faith in those primary uh, truths of the gospel, that we have loving parents, heavenly parents that care for us, that we have a Savior, that there's a prophet on the earth today, that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God. And uh, just a few technical follow-up questions here. So if a junior or senior wants to come, you just say, well, wait till your senior year. Is it sort of a privilege maybe for those seniors to do that? Yeah, for a couple of reasons. One, it does create a little bit of anticipation that yeah. next year I get to do this. But the second thing is, you know, based on these topics, we want to deal with this audience that is mature enough for us to be able to talk through yeah. these issues in a 
really open way. Hmm, that's great. It's and been it, kind of fun to see a number of adults in the stake have called and said, why can't we participate too? Or could you do one for the adults? <laughs> nice. But, you know, one other thing that we did is we held a fireside ahead of the morning sides. Oh, cool. And we invited the high school seniors and their parents. And so we that was our opportunity to say to the parents, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to talk about. Here's what the subjects are. If you have any discomfort with that, come talk to us ahead of time. But know that when when we meet uh, at 7.15 in the morning with your high school senior for the next five months, this is these are the topics that we're going to cover. We also did a survey uh, and asked them, asked the high school seniors to rank the their level of interest in each of the topics. And we said, we're going to cover them all, but we'd like to know what you're most interested in. And, and I think the results of that were, were interesting. You know, that was interesting because I think in our minds, there might have been a few topics that seemed like, oh, yeah, they're going to want to talk about polygamy. That seems like a, a, you know, a topic that everyone's curious about. Turns out that was like the one that people didn't really care much about at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it was other ones about mother in heaven that both years, top of the list, it was some topics that maybe we wouldn't have guessed. And so I think that was really valuable and it, it allows us to really kind of focus the discussions on topics that are really relevant to them. I love that. And it was also telling most of the survey responses gravitated to, to a few, but in every case, there was some high school senior, at least one, that had one of those topics as their top pick. So it just showed kind of the variety of what we were dealing with uh, as we approached the topics. Yeah, that's cool. And, and so did you go through just one round of, of each of these morning sides for each one and then you're done for that, uh, for that year? Yes. So we take, it was 13, I think it's down to 11 uh, topics. We have five sessions, so we cover uh, typically two two topics each morning. Oh, okay. Two and one uh, morning side. Right. I think. Gotcha. Now I'm noticing these, uh, these books, these manual type things, spiral bound looks like, did you just go to office max? And was that your, uh, your duty there, Alan? <laughs> it wasn't. We've got some great clerks who have helped, oh, but cool. we took all of the essays and uh, did collect them and put them in a binder and presented them to each of the high school seniors before the morning sides. The hope is that they have an opportunity to read the essays before we meet and come prepared with some background and some questions. Hmm. And we great. just want to make it as easy as possible for them to have the essays, to to have something that they could take notes on. Uh, we passed out pens when we met in person, along with the booklets, and you know, yeah, asked them to uh, record their thoughts as as we talked through the things. Yeah, and, and as I'm looking, I love simplicity in church leadership. So there's no like graphic designer that was involved in the production of these things, and that's what I love. Yeah, they're super so. simple. <laughs> I think one of the spe most special things as well has been the visits to these youth the Saturday ahead of time. I don't ever remember. I had a pretty phenomenal stake president and stake presidency when I was a youth. I never remember them coming by my home. Yeah. That would have been pretty special. And I think that's been a really, I know, special experience for me to, to see these youth at their home and to kind of build that relationship. And I know, I'm sure for President Staples, it's really great because he's going to be meeting a lot of them very shortly as they yeah. get the Melchizedek Priesthood and uh, they work with President Matheson as they get the Melchizedek Priesthood or as they go out on missions. So Yeah. Yeah. And that's the silver lining of the pandemic because otherwise we wouldn't have 
been going to their home on a on right. a Saturday. We would have just expected them to come on Sunday morning. Yeah. And was that a thing to just divide and conquer? You take this this group and you take the other and you get it done, right? Cool. Yeah, mix it up each month so that we go and visit different seniors. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Anything else that we're, we're missing in this this uh, dynamic? This is great. I love it. But uh, anything, any other tips if, if a stake wanted to approach this? You know, I think the to just take the approach that these young people are going to get exposure to these topics at some point in their life. If yeah. they go on a mission, somebody's going to push on them about uh, you know the doctrines around. Uh, race in the priesthood or, or polygamy or some of these other things. So recognizing that they're going to face these things, how much better is it that they face them with you? You know, you care about them. We care about our high school seniors. And so for us to have this opportunity to talk through these subjects in a meaningful open way. We'll take any question that they ask us. We don't duck or, or dodge any of this. And as as President Matheson said, you know, there's some things where we say, just like President Hinckley said in, in one of these, he said, you know, that's a that's a subject we don't know a lot about. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll tell them that. Uh, they'll ask questions that we'll go and research and come back uh, the next time and say, hey, I did find a little bit more mm-hmm. about that. But I think at the end of the day, we recognize that we have a responsibility to to these young people, and we're not going to let them leave our stake. Uh, we're certainly going to provide them the opportunity to talk about these things while we're a part of their lives. Yeah. Anything worth mentioning as far as the format of the actual morning side? Did you each take a turn to sort of lead the discussion? Is that the, the idea? We do. We take turns. And so uh, each of us is in charge of, uh, during the month and we'll teach a couple of the essays and, and then rotate around. And that's been kind of nice, too, that each of us gets a chance to interact with the seniors. And of course, the others chime in uh, with uh, great comments along the way. Yeah. How did the uh, engagement with the youth go? I mean, did you, did you get some good questions and discussion going? Or? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's amazing that that early in the morning, their brains are working. You know, I have a, <laughs> I have a high school senior right now myself. So, uh, but they are, they're actually, I'm, this year, I'm, I'm thinking specifically the last two sessions we did, incredible questions, like questions that were deep and uh, sincere. Hmm. Uh, and I, I will say there's different levels. You know, on, on Zoom, it's a little more challenging. We don't require the kids to have their videos on, and they might be in their pajamas in bed still, and mm-hmm. that's okay. Like, yeah. we just want them there. Uh, and then we have one young man that he has his video on, he has a shirt and tie and suit on, and he's, you know, ready, to go. he's ready to go. <laughs> and he's always got great questions. So there's going to be all levels of engagement, and these kids know that it doesn't matter. We love them. We just want them there, and we're just so thrilled that they're participating. Cool. I think it makes a difference when that first high school senior has the guts to say, I've got a question and asks it and gets appreciation for the question and gets a good answer. Others feel more comfortable and they start coming forward. Yeah. And we've also asked them at the end of one of the sessions, we'll say, what stood out to you? You know, what did you learn that you didn't know before? Admittedly, that was an easier one to get answers to when we were in person than over Zoom. But yeah. still, causes <laughs> them to ponder and think about what we just talked about. That's great. 
Awesome. I love this. I think this is, you know, again, the simplicity of it. It's very duplicatable. It's not one more thing, you know, that this huge thing that's on your plate and uh, and it keeps your focus where where you want to is helping these youth uh, succeed, especially in the context of their testimony. Yeah. So, so that to that stake president in California, thank you. That's cool. And then let's just talk more broadly about any other approaches as far as ministering to those with faith challenges that you've tried, or maybe you've tried some things that didn't really work or, or other uh, simple approaches that way. I think one of the other big initiatives that we did is we decided there's a book by David Osler called Bridges, and mm-hmm. he did a lot of primary research. We read the book together along with some others on this topic. And one of the questions that David asked people who had left the church is, do you feel that your ward and stake leaders were prepared to help you through your faith challenges? And if I remember right, strongly agree that they were prepared, I think got 2%. Yeah. So, no, between agree and strongly agree. So, you know, 96 (laughs) to 98% were saying, no, they didn't. And we thought, well, we can do something about that. We can help prepare our leaders. And so uh, we're getting ready to do another one of these sessions, but uh, we held uh, a session that uh, we essentially took the learnings that we got from from the books that we had studied, and we trained everybody in state councils and ward councils on how to minister. We talked about things that uh, you shouldn't do. Uh, We talked about what are good approaches, things that you can and should do. We talked about some very specific things inside of ministering to people with faith challenges. And I think the the response to that was really, really strong, mainly from people saying, I did all the things that you're not supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they just, uh, yeah. and I thought the same thing when I read some of the, some of the research, <laughs> you know, yeah, send them lots of general conference talks. That'll, <laughs> that'll certainly uh, yeah. solve it. So some of those kinds of things. Um, but I love those, those sessions that we did. We did them, we held... I think we helped three three different ones just to make sure that everybody had an opportunity to go through them. Uh, again, these were ward council members and state council members. And then the one that we're getting ready to so, do. So you hold, held three sessions that they could just pick one that works for the schedule to come. Right. And they're on, these are for individuals who are on ward or state council. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And then this year, uh, our plan is to do the same thing just because people in leadership change, yeah. but to to open it up to anybody else in the stake that would like to attend. Because what we recognized is that there are people who, they may not be in a leadership position, but they have family members that are struggling with their faith and they want to learn how to help them. Yeah. And I imagine just from your own personal study of preparing for these morning sides and whatnot, your your faith grew, right? You, your knowledge grew, a deeper understanding of these topics. That's cool. One thing I'll add, too, is that President Staples invited a member of our Stake Relief Society presidency to help teach that with us, which I think was really important. Mm. And so that, I think, added to the depth of the conversation and made sure that, you know, half of our stake is, is women and making sure that we have representation of some of the remarkable female leaders that we that we have in our stake participating, I think was really critical. Awesome, worth worth highlighting there. Yeah, and in his 
book, Bridges, Brother Osler, talks about three things that people are looking for in religion based on his research. One is trust, one is belonging, and one is meaning. So trust is they want to be able to trust that their leaders care about them, are being honest with them, and are trying to help them along life's path. Belonging, you know, we all need that. We all want to feel that we're part of something bigger, something that matters. And meaning, they want to see a connection between what's taught in church and what they're seeing in the world. That the principles of the gospel address the challenges that we're facing in the world. And we use that structure in our training session and divided up those topics and went into them in more detail. We thought that was pretty effective. Yeah. Anything else as far as your general approach with helping, you know, minister to those with faith challenges? I mean, that's, you're doing a lot. That's great. That's cool. And I love just the, how you said, we can do something about that, like reading something and and empowering yourself to to make a difference, you know? And, And I'd hate for like a, a state presidency to listen to this and feel like, man, I've got so much to do already. And now I kind of feel guilty. I'm not doing morning sides, you know, but this, you could have easily handed off to your young men's presidency or young women's presidency and say, do these morning sides, right. And at least do something right. And that, uh, it doesn't have to be this exact model and this is exact way, but the fact that you stepped forward and, and did something, it's great. Maybe one thing I'll mention, we actually, through president Smith's contacts, we got in touch with brother Osler and we shared with him our materials actually did the same thing with Patrick Mason and had them look it over and make suggestions on whether we were on the right track or if their additional research might have suggested some changes we would make. And we found that those conversations were useful as well. Yeah. And if people do want to contact uh, David Osler, he's, you can contact us at our at leadingsaints.org slash contact and I'll forward on any message to him because I know he'd appreciate it. So, yeah, I, th- I think we we just looked at it and thought, you know, the, the the good that we can do is around helping people that that need help. And if you think of people who are having faith challenges, oftentimes they're silent sufferers, right? They don't know who to turn to. They don't know who to talk to. And we looked at it and thought, boy, to fulfill our stewardship, we should be as well-versed in this topic as really in anything that we do because we're going to encounter people who just, for whatever reason, have lost their way a little bit. And the the more prepared we are to be able to, to do what we can to help them, we just thought that that was important. But then how do you scale that? Yeah. You know, the, the three of us and 3,700 people in a stake is a challenge. So that's when we said, okay, how about all those people in ward councils, elders, quorum presidents, relief society presidents, uh, bishopric members, let's train them. Let's teach these principles to them. And then hopefully they're going to share them and and teach them to people inside their organizations as well. Now, that's just a great leadership point in general, because I remember that feeling of going from bishop to state presidency, and I sort of felt like I had to be everybody's bishop, because I was used to being a bishop. But it was so overwhelming because there were thousands of people. But then when I made the shift of like, no, I'm actually the leader for the leaders in the stake. It's like, oh, I can handle that. Like, I can definitely be a good resource there. And that's exactly the the pattern you followed. It's great. Well, let's, uh, as we wrap up, I'm just curious, maybe we'll do a, a, a fire round here as far as just adaptations that you're you've taken as far as during the the shutdown, anything unique you've tried outside of, you know, maybe faith challenges, just in general, anything that's worked or hasn't worked or anything that comes to mind? 
I'll share one and we can cut it if it doesn't work. Okay, that's fine. So last night I had a Zoom meeting with all of the elders corn presidents and the high council representatives to the wards that work with them. And I kind of styled it as a group therapy session. Hmm. So this is a chance for you to come together, relax a little bit, know that you're with peers. And we just took turns going with those elders corn presidents to talk about what are the challenges you're facing? What frustrations are you experiencing, especially with COVID? And they'd throw out their concern and everybody would kind of weigh in and saying, here's something we've done. This is a, a best practice. And at the end, I think not only did many of them leave with a, a page of notes, but uh, they felt they weren't alone. And they felt kind of comforted that there was a group they could go to and get some insight and get some ideas and get maybe some moral support. Yeah. And I've, I've noticed that over the last year, just a common leadership feeling is that I feel like I should be doing something, but I don't know what to do. And so I guess I won't do anything, but I feel like I should be doing something, you know, and, and uh, to sort of hear others maybe share ideas, but then find a community there of leaders and, and a first state presidency to do that, I think is a, a great tip. So any other ideas? You know, the the two things that I think we've emphasized over and over again since the be, the beginning of the pandemic, and we've had to make adjustments. And I think, you know, as a stake, I think we've been fairly, um, call it aggressive in uh, the actions that we've taken. We haven't gotten out ahead of the brethren, right. uh, but we also haven't sat around and waited for every instruction. Uh, so... You know, we looked for opportunities to make sure that uh, we still achieve the objectives that uh, that we had. But two things: one is Elder Uchtdorf has taught multiple times: look for what you can do, not for what you can't do. Mm. And we've emphasized that uh, to our bishops and and throughout the stake for the leaders to instead of focusing on oh well, I guess we can't meet with our youth anymore. Okay, but what can you do uh, and how can you do that? And then the other thing that we've done is, and Elder Holland taught this principle, that we need to, if, if we go through this pandemic and come out the other side and haven't changed for the better, we've missed a great opportunity. Yeah. And so we've emphasized that a lot. We have a stake uh, website, and we've actually asked members to record one-minute videos of how they've changed for the better during the pandemic and what they've learned. And I think that, uh, you know, it's great for the ones that have recorded it, but hopefully it's also prompted everyone to just think through that question, even if they don't record a video. Have I changed for the better? What have I learned during this? Because there's some great lessons, and our Heavenly Father wants us to learn them, uh, but it takes some effort on our part to do that. Awesome. Alan, I'm going to have you uh, send us off because I've already asked these to this question, and that, so if people want to hear their answer, they can go to the, the previous episodes they've been on. But as you have, uh, I'm sure you've been, this isn't your first go at leadership in, 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 some, in this context, but... Uh, as you have had an opportunity to serve as a leader, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Probably has in a number of ways. One is that I've felt incredible love for the people that I serve as a leader. And that's helped me understand, I think, a little bit better 
maybe how Jesus Christ feels about me and others of his disciples. If I can love my neighbor as much as I do, a much more perfect uh, Savior must love me more than I can imagine. Uh, I think I've also uh, maybe been a little more understanding of people's challenges. You hear what they're going through in their lives. You see how they're dealing with uh, the inevitable challenges of life. And they rely on the Savior often. Those that do find comfort, find guidance. And that's helped me recognize the source of my comfort, my hope, which is in my Savior, Jesus Christ. He's my Savior and Redeemer. He cares about us. Leadership has, I think, refined me. It's humbled me and helped me realize that it's not what I do for others. My job as a leader in the church is to help people access the Savior and the Spirit. And at the end of the day, I don't want the people in our stake or when I was a bishop in our ward to say, that bishop helped me along the way. Uh, That bishop was my rock. I can't live without him. I want him to say, I trust the Savior. I can access the Savior. I can access the Spirit directly, and I can be self-sufficient spiritually and in other ways. That concludes my interview with President Joe Staples, David Smith, and Alan Matheson. Really dynamic guys. I mean, President Matheson, your remarks at the end were so touching, and I love it. I don't know if that's the best answer to that question I typically ask, but uh, it's definitely up there. So I would love to know who else is doing something dynamic, remarkable, out of the box, out there. I would love to be put in touch with them. Uh, We have a long list growing, but we're always looking for more, and uh, we want to share that with the world so that maybe you know, a stake presidency is listening or a bishopric or a young men leader. And you're thinking, man, we could do something like that. And uh, away you go, right? And we're blessing the world in, in more more ways than one. So reach out to us at leadingsaints.org slash contact and let us know who we should interview on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And I remind you once again to text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to subscribe to the Leading Saints weekly newsletter. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.